Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoy today's message. So, good morning, beautiful people of Doxedo. It is so good to be gathered together in the house, and uh, it's so good to be able to bring a bit of word this morning and, uh, and minister a little bit. But uh, as some of you know, we're in the middle of a series called This Is Us. And no, it's not like the series This Is Us, which apparently is a huge tearjerker. I'm sure some of you have watched it. But this is about saying this is who we are as a church. Um, I think all of us have things that make us us. And we've been speaking about the things in Doxedo Hatfield that make us uniquely who we are. Things we won't apologize for, things you're going to hear from us all the time because we believe they're so important in the life of our church. And you guys would have known that last week, Joe spoke to us about mission. And we had this glorious moment where we all got to, at the end of the service, take to the streets and go find people at different spaces and go pray with them. And it was beautiful. Um, We really enjoyed that moment. For some of you, it was very harrowing. I had some reports afterwards where people were going, whoa, (laughs) that was my first time doing that, and my introvert was strong. Um, But for some of you, it was just so enjoyable, and I saw people going into shops, and I saw people going into different spaces and just grabbing someone at work and going, let me pray for you, and let me just minister to you in this moment. And, And it was just so beautiful seeing our church mobilized in the city in that way. So what makes me me? Uh, I am an avid reader. Anyone that's had a couple of conversations with me would know that I love books. This is my profile photo (laughs) on almost everything, and people are like, you're weird. And I'm like, I know, and I own it. Um, but, But I read absolutely anything you will throw at me. Joe always says, of everyone he's ever met, I am the widest reader that he's ever met. And it's because I can read Shakespeare, I can read Sherlock Holmes, I'm currently reading one, graphic novels, dystopian fiction, I can read research papers. Whatever you throw at me, I'm generally interested in reading. And uh, there's just something in me. I love words. I love the way they're put together. I, I love seeing how someone can craft a story. And and a while ago, I thought to myself, okay, maybe I should explore this a little bit. What is it about books and reading and, and what is it about words that attracts me? And eventually I came to the conclusion that it's not words that I find attractive, but it's stories. And it can be people's stories because I love movies. I love books. I love seeing people go on a journey And the one thing I've picked up in story after story is that there's this character that goes on some kind of adventure, and you can almost see the rise and fall. I don't know if some of you are those people, but I can often sit with my wife. She says, I spoil every movie, because in the first five minutes, I go, and this is how it will end. And... uh, (laughs) And she hates that so much because I, I can already see the story arc and I can see, okay, there's, there's this rise and then there's this fall and things just get terrible and there's conflict and then suddenly there's the greater rise. And the one thing that almost every character in stories has in common is they have a companion. Have any of you noticed that? Almost every story, there's at least one friend, sometimes two or three, that go on the journey with the character. 
And I've often wondered, why do they do it like that? Why, why are stories written that way? And I, I think sometimes it's because every writer out there knows this one inalienable truth, and that is that we all desire to know and be known by others. We all desire to know and be known. But also it's the reality that given to our own devices, we're never going to reach the heights. We're never going to reach the goal that we're headed to on our own. Um, have any of you ever watched Lord of the Rings? Do we have any Lord of the Rings fans in the house? Okay, we've got some. Some of you are going, maybe you're not a fan. But my wife and I, every now and then, we pull out our box set of Lord of the Rings, the director's cut, no less. And we watch Lord of the Rings. And, um, and we love that story. But after many, many times watching Lord of the Rings, the one thing that we've been able to actually, the conclusion we've been able to come to is that the lead character, Frodo, in the story is not the hero of the story. He's got a friend, Sam. And Sam is the true hero of the story because he's the guy that gets tasked in the story to travel with Frodo and to get him to that end point of where he would be. And there is a whole bunch of other friends and companions that make up their, their sort of group, the fellowship of the ring, as it were. But, but Sam is the one who, when Frodo's falling, when Frodo just can't carry on, even at the end of the movie, there's this epic scene where Frodo just falls and he can't make it the last few steps to get to where he needs to go. And Sam is the one that goes and picks him up and carries him the last few steps to get to where he needs to go. And when Frodo wavers or he's not feeling, you know, he can finish or, or when he's just having a crisis of conscience, it's Sam that comes in. And he, he sort of says to Frodo, no, you're not going to give up. We're going to do this thing and we're going to get there. And, and really, you can imagine this, this movie is literally, I think if you add the three together, it's about seven and a half hours long of movie and this long journey that they go on. And you can imagine it would have been a very different film if it were Frodo on his own and about an hour in going, I'm giving up and this is the end. And there's something about having a companion in life. There's something about having other people that journey along this life with us that makes this life better, sweeter, more bearable. The things that were impossible before become possible. Um, and, and just realizing that, you know what, we were made for community and for companionship with others. I think Jesus knew about this because the one thing that I see him do in chapter 10 of Luke is he actually sends out his disciples. He sends out 72 of them. And, and when he sends them out, he sends them out to different cities that they're going to go ahead into. And he sends them out two by two. And I'm, I'm like, why? Why do you think that is? Why do you think he realizes he needs to send people out two by two? So last week, I spoke about the fact that we went on this lovely missional walk through Hatfield, and it was incredible. It was so good. But what I did see, and I kept seeing, is there was almost no one that went on their own anywhere. 
We went in groups of two or three. And why? Because that fellowship, that coming together and saying, you know what, I need you with me. I need you praying for me. I need you behind me as I go and as I approach these people. It changed the dynamic of the whole thing, didn't it? Because you knew you weren't alone as you were doing what God has called us to do for our city. So, so there was just this moment where I just saw this beautiful coming together of all of our people realizing that we have a responsibility for this community. And if I've got you and you and you with me, there's so much more we can do to reach the people in this space. So immediately, as I say these things, I know for a fact that I can hear some of you groaning because you're going, community is not for me. Um, and maybe you've got different reasons. I think for many of us, maybe we've started to believe the lie that we have nothing to offer other people. Maybe some of you find yourself in that space where you're like, you know what, I, I get community and I get what you're calling me to and I, I get, you know, that it's good to be with people, but I don't think I've got anything to offer a group of people. Maybe you've stopped believing that there is anything of value that you can bring. Or, or maybe for others, you've got a prideful stance where you've come to a place where you're sort of, mm, you know what, I don't think other people have anything to teach me or offer me. And maybe for still others of you, the reason you shy away from community is because there's been relational hurt. Maybe you've tried community or you've tried this friend thing and it's gotten a little bit sticky and messy and and for that reason you've decided, "Mm, I don't know about this community thing. But the thing I want to definitively say to you this morning is you will never, ever be able to live out your calling and purpose in Christ without other people. No matter which way you slice it up, and we'll address those things that we've just mentioned. But one of the places um, where we actually just hear about community and we hear about the way God is calling us to love others is in the book of 1 John. And I wonder if you can turn there with me um, as we, we just go 1 John 4, and you'll see it's verse 7 to 11 and verse 19 to 21. Um, and we're going to read it together this morning. 1 John 4 right near the end of the New Testament. Find it either on your phones or in your Bibles. So let's read that together. And it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. Us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And He has given us this command anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Now, friends, we're not just talking familial brother and sister there, we're talking about the people sitting next to you today. 
These are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And these are the people you're called to do life with and journey with and love. And, and really, in terms of the excuses I spoke of a couple of minutes ago, I realized it's how we see God and, and how we see ourselves that is going to profoundly affect how we love other people, how we love other people. You see, if we realize that what the scripture says is true, that God loved us so extravagantly that he was willing to pay this hefty, hefty price so that we could be reconciled to him, then really what we need to realize is that our natural response is to love other people. I say hefty price. And really, for some of you, and I I said that a couple of minutes ago, for some of you, you're sitting here and you're going, you know what, nobody wants to know me. Nobody wants to have me in community, or I don't have anything to offer. And, and today, I just want to say to you that really, the price is what dictates the value of the item. The price is what dictates the value of the item. So in thinking about that, I thought, okay, let me Google the most outrageous auction item prices that people have heard of in, in a while. And, and I thought, let's look at that and, and let's take a look. The first was a 1943 Patek Felipe watch, one of only four of its kind. And isn't it beautiful? Any, any guesses what this went for? It went for $11 million at auction, being one of four watches. It doesn't do anything fancy. It's just a beautifully crafted watch, and, uh, and that went for $11 million. Next slide uh, will show you Dorothy's ruby slippers from The Wizard of Oz. Some of you have seen the original Wizard of Oz, black and white. You know, I'm dating myself a little bit. But, uh, but those ruby slippers went for $660,000 at auction, Okay. $660,000 for a sequined pair of shoes, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, the, the last item, which is near and dear to my heart, is a copy of Action Comics number one, the original appearance of Superman. And does anyone want to hazard a guess how much those 30 pages of ink and paper were paid for? $3.25 million, ladies and gentlemen, for an Action Comics number one. If any of your grandmothers has one in the attic, go find it now, and, uh, and we can make a deal. Um, <laughs> but essentially, if you take these three items apart, and you just look at the parts that make them up, this comic book is paper and ink and some artistic drawing. Um, the watch is a few gears, and, and it's a little bits of metal and, and a watch face and a strap. The ruby slippers are literally just a pair of shoes with some sequins on them. And, and if you look at their parts, they are not worth, respectively, $11 million and $660,000 and $3.25 million. That's not what gives them their worth, these parts. What gives them their worth is what somebody was willing to pay for them. Can we just see the next slide to look at the last auction item? Think about what God was willing to pay for you. Think about what he was willing to do to be reconciled to you. And then tell me how you can devalue your own worth and say that nobody 
wants to know you, that there's no worth to you being in community, that people don't want to know you, when the king of the universe has already declared over you that you are worth his son, that he was willing to go to the ends of the earth to make it possible for you to be reconciled to him. You are worth so much to him. But God knows that it's not only him that you are worth so much to. You are worth so much to every person in this room, to the people he has placed in your sphere of influence, to the people he has tasked you to do community with in your life. There is great value. And if you doubt that God can use you to love, encourage, and minister to people in your life, then maybe you've lost sight of what is written in the scriptures that we read. If I read my Bible, I read story after story of God taking virtually nobody and doing incredible things through their life simply because God empowers them and uses them powerfully in the lives of their city and their nation, in the lives of their families. We were created for community. We were created to sharpen one another and to fill each other's lives and to love one another and to journey with one another and to cry with one another and to do glorious life with one another. So let me ask you, what makes you think for a second you have no worth? What makes you think for a second that God cannot use you powerfully? I said a few seconds ago that our natural response to this incredible, extravagant love that God has poured out on us is to want to love other people in the same way. I keep saying to people, one of the reasons I love God and I love people so much is because of what God has done in my life. I am not naturally a loving, lovely person. I can tell you that honestly. My family growing up with me my whole childhood would tell you that honestly. But there's something that God unlocked in my heart the day he, he just unlocked me. And he did something in the space where he just was like, you know what? I, I saved you and I have this relationship with you, but I didn't save you just for me. I saved you for people, to love them, to journey with them, to do life with them. So... Really, if we read that one John scripture, just that verse 20 again, what it said was, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. We cannot afford to allow the way we feel about people, the the things that have happened, the hurts that have happened to keep us from community Because God has called us to something so, so much greater than that. For those of you who've decided in your heart, I love God. And I've heard this argument many times. People have gone, you know what, I love God and I'm going to journey with him. And he can ask me just about anything. But I don't want to love people. And I don't want to do community. And I'm going to live out my faith in private. The thing that I want to say to you today is you cannot separate your love for God from your love for people. They are intrinsically linked. But my question to you is, why do you think this community thing, why do you think it's so important to God that we do life with others, that we do the community thing that we keep calling you to, 
And really, the first reason that I want to highlight for us is because God is a relational God, and He's called us to be a relational people. Chiefly, we can see in God, in His makeup, it's, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in relationship with Himself. But as His creation, what He's done is He's created us to do life with other people, to be transparent with other people, to love other people. I don't know about you, but looking back at that period when we were on hard lockdown, I saw something ugly happen in myself as far as community and reaching out and, and doing life with other people is concerned. I, my house, my little flatlet that Maya and I were in, and we were literally in a bachelor flat, um, for like nine months or however long it lasted. But we were literally in this little bachelor flat and it became like our little safe cocoon. And we could almost feel ourselves becoming more and more selfish with our time, with what we were willing to do, with the way we were willing to reach out into the lives of of people. Because this is our safe space and and this is nice and cozy and it's comfortable and there's less issue and, and there's less problems But really, that selfishness that was birthed in that season, we realized that as we came out of that season, that thing had to die in our hearts because God was calling us to community and to people and to love. And it was difficult to get back into that rhythm of seeing and doing community. And and really, I'm here today to tell you, community is costly. It is costly. And it's messy. And things will happen along the way. But honestly, I become the best version of myself when I'm in community with other believers. I become the best version of myself because I've got people that that are doing life with me. I've got people that are loving me and vice versa. I've got people that are honest enough to be truthful with me and go, you know what, this thing you're doing right now, that's not the thing God has put in your life to do. And it's hard, but it's beautiful. And it's something that I would want for each and every single one of you. Now, I I say, let's talk cost. Um, And I I love people who give that sales pitch that goes, you know what, don't worry about the cost. Just look at the benefit. Um, And that sounds so used car salesman to me. Have any of you ever, ever, you know, been on on the short end of a used car salesman where they're busy going, you know what, yeah, this car... Um, it's, it's beautiful, and yeah, the price is low, and, and it's going to serve you for such a long time. And practically, as you drive off the lot, you can hear that a tire's fallen off and the exhaust is in the back somewhere. And, uh, and really, my wife and I, we recently, about two years ago, got to this space where, where um, we decided to buy a car for her. Her car wasn't serving her so well anymore. And, uh, and friends of ours were selling their car and the price was too good to believe people. It was too good. That is not the actual car, just for those of you that are concerned. Um, but I will be taking up an offering after the service. No, I'm kidding. Um, sorry. No, Joe's going to kill me when he hears this. But, but, but seriously, we buy this car and it is too good to be true price-wise. And over the course of the next two years, there is practically nothing in that car that was the original 
apart. We have replaced everything. We have replaced bolts and gaskets and absolutely everything. So in the end, we've ended up paying that extra price that we should have paid for our second-hand car. We've slowly, over two years, put into that car. And there's something that happens when we ignore the hidden costs of certain things. And I think that's why I say, you know what, it's fine for me to say just think benefit, don't think cost. But let's talk cost for a moment. In community, we're going to find accountability. We're going to find that. We're going to find authenticity. We're going to find a place we can call home with people who become like our family. And we're going to find great joy. We laugh a lot. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and even last Wednesday, we were just loving our community group and laughing around the table. And we say silly things as we read scripture and we do life and, and we share with one another. And there's great joy in that space. But it's also going to be messy. It's also going to be messy, and at times we're going to have our feelings hurt, and, and we're all going to struggle as we try to care and love for each other in the best way we know how, and sometimes we're going to fail each other, because that happens in families. It's funny how our families are not perfect, but when we come to community, we want that to be, but we're all people who are just doing our best, and we're filled with Christ, and we want to love each other well, but sometimes we're going to mess up. And, and something happens in our minds when we almost approach the thing with that mindset of, I know there's going to be a hiccup here and there, but I'm expecting it. I'm not expecting this to be perfect. I'm just expecting this to be a space where we all love God, and we try to serve Him together, and we try to love each other together. And immediately that reframes the conversation. When we bought that car, let me tell you, at that price, we knew there were costs coming down the road. We knew it was already a car with high mileage. We knew that things were coming. So none of it was a surprise when it came. And it's that same thing for us in community, folks. If we can immediately say, my job in this space is to love people well and to navigate the hiccups when they come well. And when that stuff happens, what do we do with it? Do we decide to wear it like a badge and say, the reason I don't do community is because X happened? Or do we do what we were supposed to do with it and say, I'm taking this thing and I take it to the Father and I take it to my community group and we sort it out and we work through it and we move ahead stronger than ever before. Joe's always said it. He says, a conflict always gives us an opportunity to either break our relationship or to make it even stronger than it was before. And that is how we need to approach community. So what does true community look like? And I want to share with you guys from a scripture that's so near and dear to my heart. And it's in the book of Romans. And we're going to look at that quickly. And it's Romans 12. And it's from verse 9 to verse 18. And, and really, Paul is at this point speaking to the divided church there are two factions that are formed, and there's the Jewish Christians, and there are the Gentile Christians, and they don't do life together, and they don't want to do life together, because the Jewish Christians believe that the Gentile Christians should be following the laws, and there's a whole skirmish that has happened in the church, and, and Paul is desperate. He's just coming to them, and he's going, guys, the church is never going to do what it's supposed to do if we are not unified, and if we're not doing life together, and if we're not showing people what love and life looks like. Looks like. 
So he comes to them and he writes the following when he gives them an instruction. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. This piece of scripture is such a key to community and doing life with one another and loving each other well. I love the picture that Paul paints because what I see in that picture, if we look at that scripture, is he's calling us to be sincere. He's calling us to cling to what is good. He's calling us to be devoted to one another. I have to tell you, there are Wednesday nights when I'm like, you know what, we've got community group tonight, but life is crazy and I'm tired and and I can't believe we now have to get in the car and we have to go to community group. And you know what, each time that I do it and I stay devoted to that group, do you know how blessed we are that night? We walk away going, these are my people and these are the people I want to do life with. There's something about that devotion. It's honoring one another encouraging one another in our passionate pursuit of Jesus, serving together, finding joy together, bearing affliction together, faithfully praying together, sharing with one another, meeting each other's needs, meeting in each other's homes, blessing each other when we've been wronged by a brother or sister, rejoicing together, mourning together, people who would not normally be doing life together, loving each other, looking past skin color and status and background and nationality and doing what is right and living at peace with one another. That is community, friends. So there's just a couple things that I want to add to the end of that. And then I'm going to call my good friend Malcolm up. He's going to come and give a bit of a testimony about what community has meant in his life. But two more reasons that that God really cares about community. And the reason he calls calls us to it is because community done well brings God glory. Community done well brings God glory. When people look at the world, they see disunity. They see a lack of care. They see social pain. They see brokenness. They see lostness. And when they look at us as the church and when they look at us as a community, those are not the things that they should see. They should see the things that we've just listed and gone through. When they look at this space, they need to immediately be going, what is different about you people? What is different about the way you love each other and journey together and do life together? And, and when they ask that question, what we should immediately be able to answer is, it's all because of Jesus.
It's all because of Jesus. Love originates in God. And he uses us to give that love to other people. It brings him glory when people look at his church and they see us loving each other well. And the final reason that community matters to God is because what community does is it prepares us for the work we are called to do beyond the walls of this church. It calls us for the work we're prepared to do beyond the walls. Essentially, what's got to happen is what happens in this space, the way we love, the way we care, the way we come into each other's lives and share God's love with one another needs to go happen out there on Monday when we get to work, when we get to school, when we get to varsity, when we get to the spaces where we are called to minister and to love. There's something that happens in this space where we learn to love each other well, where we learn to use our gifts well, where we learn to serve others well. And I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm going to be really honest with you this morning. I didn't learn those things in my family growing up. Where I learned those things is here in the church, doing life, doing community, serving alongside others. That's where I learned how to be equipped with what I needed to go and do that same thing out in our city and to love people in my day to day. So at this point, I'm going to call up my friend, good friend Malcolm, uh, the young man, and uh, he's going to come and share with us just their experience of community and life in the church. Can we give him a round of applause? Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Taiki. Um, I just, I'm just going to add on to what Taiki said. I, actually, he took everything that I wanted to say. Taiki. That's what family does. They take each other's words. <laughs> um, so my first experience of community, um, when I went to do uh, voluntary national service, um, <laughs> so church you only go to on a Sunday. So it, it took like forever. A week is a month if you do uh, basic training, um, as some of you guys might know, Johan. Um, so what we came up with at the end of the night when, when we've when we done all our inspections and, and polished the floors and everything, we went at the back of the bungalow was uh, the toilets, the showers. So that's where we congregated because we couldn't wait for Sunday. <laughs> we needed mercy then and there. <laughs> so got out the Bible, encouraged each other with scriptures, um, Okay. Um, so that's my first experience of community. And then I got older and wiser and got family and got four kids. And now it's different. Uh, I see Esti raise her and she's got kids. <laughs> so now it's different, completely different, but still the same, a different manner. Uh, so now we meet up, we, we have food, and we've got this manner of extracting truth out of each other. So me being ex-Defense Force, uh, Vili is a game ranger, Johannes ex-military, so we tie you to a chair, we waterboard you, and we draw the truth out of you. Just don't tell Joe. I'm, I'm joking, guys. <laughs> joking. So, 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 <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No, we interrogate each other. We, we, we feel each other's heartbeat, because that's where life, life springs from, out of your heart. Everything good and evil comes from the heart. I didn't say that, the Bible says it. So that's how we feel each other's heartbeat. How does your heart beat this week? It could have been tough, it could have been great. 
You could have had a, um, a promotion or whatever. But let me just take you a step further. So my son, my two sons are here, Tristan and Brandon. Just stand up. Okay. <laughs> so you guys can sit. So Tristan is the eldest. Um, so year and a half, I pull, on a Sunday afternoon, I pull my car out of the garage. We lifts. I'm thinking, Luxem, what happened now? I, I might have driven over the dog. I drove over his head to a, one and a half years old, right? We, we got prayers from all over the world, um, pouring in community. Guys connecting, praying, praying. Doctors are already waiting um, for this dead baby to come in there. Uh, the pastor is there uh, to say the final rites, whatever. Nothing, 100%. 16 years old. This kid is going to kill me. 16 years old, at uh, swimming practice, in the swimming pool, he gets a heart attack. He was gone for like 25 minutes, flatlined. Paramedics came, revived him. Within a week, he walks out of hospital, right? So he's in his first year now studying marketing. So what I want to tell you is that this I won't share with any, anyone. This we share with family. This we, we share with close community, which, which you guys are. You understand? And you need to know that your life is worth something. Why would this happen to him? Why would the Lord save him? I, I still don't have the answers. But you are worth something. And we, we need to share that with each other. And you can only share that if we're in close community. We are so connected these days. You pick up the phone. You, you know what, who did, when, what time. You understand? But yet we don't have that intimacy. And that's what community is about. That intimacy, drawing each other close to each other. Not waterboarding, but drawing each other close to each other. So guys, if you're not connected and you're here this morning, tap into that resource because that's a lifeline uh, to you, guys. Thank you very much. Okay, so those of you who after today are not in a community group, we are waterboarding you. No, I'm, no, no, but seriously. Um, you guys will see, um, we're, we're going to go into a time of prayer in a second, but, but really you guys would have seen the beautiful tables that are around, and Mo's going to invite you to them just now as well. But these have been prepared by our community groups this morning. And they're going to take the time to actually man those tables and introduce those of you who are not in a group yet to the different groups in our church at the moment. So I want to encourage you, if you are not in a community group, go around, meet our different community group leaders, grab a card, um, grab some deets, and make sure that in the next week you attend community group. It will change your life. We believe it. This is us. This is who we are. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are so infinitely good to us. I thank you, God, that when we read that initial scripture in 1 John and when we read the scriptures in Romans, God, we just see this invitation. You have loved us. You have declared worth over us. You have declared that we are to do life with each other And God, there's no other way. There's no other way that we can become who we need to be. 
And I pray this morning for those of us who maybe are sitting here with relational hurt and and maybe there's a good reason why we've shied away from community. But I pray, God, that you would spur us on to just bring those hurts before you. They're valid. Things have happened. But I pray that the enemy will not for one more day use things in our past to keep us from the fullness, the richness that you have destined us for in community. Would you come? Would you unlock something in our hearts? And this morning, would you help us to find a good community group that we can do life with? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.